like a flamingo. Season 2, Episode 1, Like a Flamingo, back in the house after a brief hiatus. It's me, Enzo Van Balen. Me, Kid Neon. And uh, we've been meaning to do this podcast for quite a while, but Christmas kind of got in the way. And for those of you who don't know, we had a bit of a, a pile-up with packing. Um, we uh, the, the company that makes mailers for the vinyl that we send out went out of stock. So we've literally been up to our eyeballs in cardboard, as usual, trying to catch up. And um, yeah, it kind of the Christmas cheer evaporated yeah, pretty quickly. It got su- it got sucked out of us on yeah. day day one back in the office, pretty much. But we're it, through it. I think we're yeah, through it. We're through. It's through to the other side of that tunnel. And um, we've been planning to do this for a while. So we we've, we've said before we're going to try and do more in the way of interviews. So give people a chance to have a window into the world of uh, some of their favorite vaporwave and future funk producers. So we've started this season off with a good interview. We've been speaking to Steve, aka OSC Opus Opus Science Collective. We dropped his album Ideality on vinyl last week, and uh, there's still some copies available. And we caught up with him to have a chat about uh, the studio process, a little bit about his inspiration how he got into vaporwave and stuff we'll let that speak for itself before we go into that interview though let's have a quick update from us uh flamingo funk volume two and uh future sounds volume three we 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 did both for charities and we've managed to raise more than fifteen thousand pounds which is pretty amazing amazing thanks everyone involved thanks thanks everyone who picked up a copy as well i think you could still grab the cds for um both both releases on our on our bandcamp timestamps.bandcamp.com or mypetflamingo.bandcamp.com and we are going to have a couple of copies of the vinyl once we've cleared out all the well all the orders have been dispatched we're just hanging on for a little while to make sure there's no damages and things that need to be replaced and there'll be a handful of copies left so if you did miss out there will be just a small number of each of the formats available via our bandcamp soon um we'll let you know in due course um, also, Empire Building, we dispatched all of that St. Pepsi, Pepsi Classic, the Silver Foil Edition. They've all gone. Uh, they should be starting to arrive with you wherever you are on the planet. Very nice. Postage dependent. Um, what else? Ghost what City, else? that's um, all, all outstanding rules of that have gone out as well. Yeah, we're up to date with the packing. Um, and we've got quite a few exciting projects that we haven't yet announced, which will be sort of teasing over the next couple of months or so. One thing to mention, if you're into mini discs, we're involved in the organisation of Mini Disc Day, which is coming on March the 7th. And um, we've managed to work with, I think we're looking at about 15 or 16 labels who've signed up to it so far. And we've got something pretty, like when I say massive, I mean massive. It's big, it's so hard to not talk about it. Yeah, but we're not... We try not to even talk about it to each other for fear of uh, jinxing it. Or for letting the cat out of the bag. Exactly. But can I just say... I think that we're going to drop the biggest mini disc release in vaporwave history. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We need a pop shield if you're going to make sound effects like we're around. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it translates in the editing. Okay. <laughs> well, before we go into the interview with OSC, um, obviously Jay just mentioned there, Ghost City by Synchro Start, uh, an OG MPF artist, absolute banger, um, has his own take on Future Fun, which we really love. We're going to be interviewing and catching up with him real soon. His album Ghost City is out uh, right now. And uh, we're going to kick things off with a track from it. Like, like a Police believe 
believes that this man, 18-year-old Lorenzo Guy, fired the shot that killed the CHA police officer. Authorities say he is one of three responsible for the sniper shooting. Already in custody is 20-year-old Eline Nance, charged with first-degree murder. Also arrested and charged with first-degree murder is a 13-year-old juvenile.
And that was It Started With A Chip, as featured on Future Sounds Volume 3 on Ideality. And as the wonders of technology never cease, we're joined online by Stephen, a.k.a. OSC, Open Science Collective. First up, mate, how are you? It's good to have you on the pod. Uh, hi, yes, I'm good, thanks. And you? Not bad, not bad. Been a busy week, but um, we're back in the swing of things now after Christmas. Good stuff. And also we're joined by uh, Jerome, a.k.a. Kid Neon, uh, co-founder and uh, my brother, who also hey guys with me. So, What's yeah. up? Yeah, so I've, I've, been, I've been asking everyone I speak to the last week. I think we're kind of stretching this now because we're getting right into January. But have you made any resolutions for 2020, mate? No, no, not whatsoever. Um, I, I'm a bit grumpy when it comes to New Year's and I don't really buy into the whole... Uh, make resolutions, sort of enact change and all that. I just figure at any point in the year, if I need to fix something or change a habit, I'll just crack on and do it. Do you know what? I used to, I, I, I'm totally with you now. I used to be like quite uh, one for making resolutions on the 1st of January, but I started to realise as I got a bit older and wiser, I think, that you start putting changes off from like mm. September onwards. You're thinking, well, I could just carry on having a few too many beers or you know carry on smoking till december it's not long now and i can just quit on january the first and you end up really not doing anything not changing anything and most of the resolutions you might get broken anyway yeah although i am doing veggie veggie january to be fair so um yeah i'm uh, trying to make that change at least uh, you're doing well to be fair I know I'm, I'm, I'm alright yeah I, I, I once I, on like literally the first week me and my brother went for uh, like for breakfast and I completely forgot that I was doing it and I ordered bacon with my um, smashed avocado but I remember just in time and gave it to my dog instead so I haven't broken that one yet just in case the missus listens to this podcast like <laughs> Anyway, um, Steve, it's great yes. to chat. Um, it's great to have you on the podcast. We've been meaning to do this for a little while and certainly meaning to do more interviews and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Given that we've just released on Friday your album, mm -hmm. um, it'd be a good time, I thought, to give listeners uh, a bit of background of your history as an artist. Like, how did you get into it? And your music's really difficult to classify genre-wise. Like, how do you see yourself as um, a musician? Well, uh, that's quite tricky in a way. I mean, okay, so to start with how I got into it, I mean, just from a young age, I was into music and uh, there was a piano in the house. So I took up the piano at quite a young age and just kind of hammered away on that for donkey's years, really. And then uh, sort of started taking it more seriously, studying it at school and university. Um, and then, yeah, so and now I just sort of like make ends meet between freelance work and teaching work and stuff like that, all still in and around music. So I'm generally surrounded by musicians most of the time, which is quite a nice way to live. Um, uh, yeah, so that that's that sort of keeps me on my toes creatively, so, I guess. So what, well. kind of, what kind of freelance stuff do you do? Are you like session music and stuff like that? Uh, I used to do more session work, yes. Um, and just playing in, in function bands and things like that, corporate gigs, weddings, that sort of thing. Mostly wow. sort of R and B and and soul, like classic sixties and seventies. What's stuff your um? What's your what's your main instrument? Like what piano? Do you, what do you play? With? Oh, piano. Nice. Piano. Yeah, I trained in jazz piano um, in my youth, um, and so yeah, I mean that's that's a, a pretty powerful transferable skill when it comes yeah. to music production, which is what I, I majored in at university. Um, and uh, yeah, so because obviously, if you're very fluent on the keyboard, that's like a doorway to yeah. an almost infinite 
sound resource when it comes to synthesis and production. So once yeah. I got my head around synthesizers at university, that was sort of a very slippery slope. Um, <laughs> and mm. despite despite having a background in like jazz and blues and and that sort of thing, I, I just totally immersed myself in synthesis um, through my twenties um, and sort of had a I had this whole thing in my younger years where I was all into like jazz and 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 anything that wasn't overly electronic. Yeah, I really wasn't that that fussed by the electronic side of music a great deal. There were a few little gems that always stood out to me, but once I was sort of into my twenties, and then I started discovering uh, bands like the Yellow Magic Orchestra, who were, you know, that they're all from like that classically trained background, but the they're incredible like uh, electronic guys and they pioneered a load of electronic music in the late 70s early 80s and okay. yeah that just suckered me in and I was like right yeah here we go um, and I've always had a soft spot for like funk and R&B and soul so yeah I think you can hear that funky aspect in, mm. in, in your production as well I kind of had a similar journey myself like as a youngster like Jerome and I are brothers and um, we always had music on around the house not so much instruments although we do, we do have a piano in the house now mm-hmm. um, but I sort of grew up listening to music that certainly wasn't electronic and I kind of had a gap in my life where I got well into early like hardcore and rave and stuff yeah. and just threw away all of that um, guitar based stuff that I listened to you know the mod stuff like the Beatles yeah. the Kinks and Small Faces and stuff and I had this long period which was just electronic and I kind of then been that off for a while when I got into the beta band and stuff and mm-hmm. and like kind of transitioned back and it's only recently like the last five or six years this kind of um discovery of synth wave in the first place watching yeah. the film drive and stuff it's called, mm-hmm. kind of re-inspired me to listen to electronic music and sort of see the value in that as well because I think yeah. hardcore and jungle in those days was quite throwaway because it was very early in its incarnation so it wasn't necessarily you didn't need to be a musician or a trained musician right. to make it you just had to have an ear for a good tune and sort of know, to know the way to use um like cubase or whatever it was you mm. were using you know yeah yeah so and, and that's that, and that's and that's sort of it like um the the whole it was you know the this for you the discovery of synthwave kind of galvanized things and it was sort of the same for me in that you know i'm pottering around listening and enjoying all kinds of electronic music yeah. and older stuff from the 80s as well like the early days of electronic music yeah and then a mate just shot me over the uh, uh link to a mitch murder track and was like oh my gosh someone's just introduced me to this check it out and it was the touch by mitch murder and i was like oh my yes, gosh, yes. this is insane this is yeah. like next level this is more 80s than the 80s like exactly. at first i thought this is from the 80s but then i was listening i was like no this is too polished it's like it's so clean it's so precise it's modern it's got to be i looked it up and i was just like oh my gosh this guy's catalog is insane he's and, kind of and, the last though the last artist of that wave mm. early synthwave artist he's kind of the yeah. last one who still does things that are very yeah. overtly 80s sounding like yeah. almost like the theme tune to like a classic 80s film like um mm. oh man the, the like um what's that well, film with he did all that kung fury he did all the kung fury yeah. and i mean that was so on point like him so and bart graft are about the only ones i can yeah. think of that still do that really overtly 80s sounding mm-hmm. stuff it's and and then i'm kind of hear bits of that in in your stuff because oh, yeah, we're talking more about synthwave and generally speaking most mm. of the mpf stuff is more vaporwave yeah and we had a conversation when we spoke we did, first yeah. spoke, didn't we about where we would fit you in the two labels kind of thing and it's interesting because you've done stuff with business casual before mm. Like, how do you classify yourself genre-wise, or do you float? I will uh, definitely float. I mean, I guess it's almost like 
somewhere in between synthwave and future funk but the thing is with future funk it's like a lot of that they're just pulling off like old records and sampling and stuff and everything i make is from scratch you know you won't yeah. find you won't find old it's... japanese pop records in my music it might sound at times like that but i've made it from scratch so yeah i was it's... gonna say i was gonna say it's kind of like you're you're kind of creating what some people might use as source material to make vaporwave or future funk it's like you're making the, the... Mm. The, the original song kind of thing yeah, if, that, if that makes sense but you yeah. vaporwaved yourself as well haven't you You've, i have yeah <laughs> yeah 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 that's, yeah that's so postmodern i love it yeah it's, mad. it's, it's like the snake in his tail but there's uh, it's important to say like a lot of the, the electronic stuff that we probably all listen to like they, there's sampling's fine like it's a, just a different it's a different way of approaching it and yeah. maybe maybe future funk to some degree sometimes becomes overloaded with the sort of kanji uh, uh, iconography and and that stuff but there's there's all sorts of types I think though that there's something special about the fact that you're recreating it all from scratch yeah well you know this this is the thing it's it's through discovery through discovering synthwave you end up finding vaporwave you know it's a, yeah all, same all roads all, all roads lead to you know this kind of broader wave as as such whether it's retro wave dark wave synthwave whatever and and you, i found vaporwave and i was like oh man this stuff's awesome yeah uh, i really like it and but i was kind of i wanted to hear the source material so mm. i went on a big sort of research binge and found loads of stuff and pulled it all together and just binged on that for a lot of time as well and so there was there's a big influence of like all that 80s Japanese city pop. A lot of that feeds in to what what I was working on and developing with Ideality because it's um, it, it it's got so much roots in that sort of Quincy Jones esque early uh, yeah. 80s yeah. funk that's got a lot of sneaky jazz things in there, which is of course my my training from youth so it's a lot of its familiar territory these like jazzy chord progressions and these odd little flourishes of uh, brass arrangements and string arrangements which are much more jazz than anything else and it's like but it's mainstream pop and i'm like ah oh, yes this is this is my cup of tea it's like a a halfway house between sort of synthy electronic music and jazz and it's it's just it's where i felt really at home and it's it's i feel like it's it's a rabbit hole i'm just going to be going deeper down in the next sort of year or two what was the um starting point of the rabbit hole how did you like i i my for me it was youtube and it was listening to synthwave like time carp and coming from kavinsky and the soundtrack to drive and then suddenly on, on this suggested was macintosh plus which i'm sure is a journey that mm. loads and loads of people who've listened to vaporwave um started with but what was your sort of how did you find yourself in the rabbit hole um it, i i think it was with uh, a track called 4am by Taeko Anuki. I think that's how you pronounce it. Well, it's probably not how you pronounce it. But, right. but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know the one. I know the one. It's on the... Um, we did a Van Porgham mix mm. uh, tape on My Pet Flamingo a while ago, and um, that's available on our YouTube channel, and that, that track's on there. It's an absolute banger, in fairness. Yeah, yeah, like, it's amazing. It's got such a lush arrangement, um, really nice chord sequences, and then that leads on to, like, the inevitable plastic love. Um, and there's that other artist called Junko Ohashi, who's got the the one that does the rounds on YouTube. There's a selection of songs from an album that's a, a, a sort of purple pinkish kind of evening husk over uh, the Twin Towers of New York. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, so that that does the round. Uh, um, but yeah, just diving in, finding these artists, getting hold of things from their back catalogues. Um, 
Well, it's quite funny. My, my other half's Japanese, and and you know, she just thinks this is the corniest, cheesiest pop music. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, yeah. Why? 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 Why am I having this inflicted to me in the car? You know, on the drive to work in the morning, and I'm just like, oh, this song's a banger, and she's just rolling. It's probably right. like in you know when you're like um like we have to go to the lockup most mm. days to pick up stuff, and they they blare out Heart FM mm. all the time, playing absolute crap 80s yeah. pop, like stuff yeah. that you've heard a million times and you hated the first time you heard it it's yeah. just you know to them yeah. it's probably like why why yeah. why this there's yeah. better there's better than this but i think it's amazing and we yeah. set up there's a guy called martin larby who um, runs the patrick fakeman blog which is mainly synthwave but he's getting more and more into vaporwave we set him on this very path towards um yeah oblivion just yeah. death by youtube searching for city pop and he's doing that same journey that we've all you know we've all kind of wandered um, it's great fun though, and you yeah. know whatever pe- whatever people say, I don't care. It's brilliant, isn't it? It is yeah. so good. Yeah, it, the the musicality is 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 off the charts. I mean, the, the session players on that because you think a lot of it's pre MIDI sequencing as well, so it's all live live recordings and playing, yeah. and and the, the musicianship is next level. You know, you, there are some tracks you put them on, and if if you were blindfolded and you stripped the vocal out and you didn't know what you were listening to you just had the instrumentals you'd swear blind it was it was like uh, an american record that was being produced by 80s someone. madonna produced yeah. by um jelly bean benitez whatever his name was yeah the, the early stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i've had oh, the yeah, same je- thing yeah yeah the track yeah. i would the track that stands out for me is heartbeat uh by mijo fujiwara i mean i'm probably murdering the pronunciation mm-hmm. but that's the same thing if you took the vocals out of that that is definitely you know holiday era madonna yeah. like it's it's and, amazing yeah, stuff hol- holiday era madonna is is where it's at that's yeah 100 percent. And we'll be back with part two of the interview with OSC after this short message from our sponsors.
Yeah. yeah, there we are. Okay, well, look, turning to ideality, mm. um, kind of what's the inspiration for that then? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but it does feel like a step change from Girls on Bikes. and. Uh, yeah, for uh, sure. Like, Girls on Bikes, and to an extent, Boys on Boards, had this, this quite small, like, little kind of tight feel to it, you know, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I When I was making those, it was all about just having this sort of small, concentrated sound, very Yamaha DXE because uh, I've just picked up an old DX21, which is like a kind of cheap version of the DX7. Yeah, it's yeah. got the same sound chip in it as what was in the Sega Mega Drive, which is kind of why I went for it. Um, ah, okay. But, um, you know, and, and that produces those really nice sort of tight controlled bass sounds and those sort of marimbury bell sounds and stuff like that. And and that that was sort of the driving force behind Girls on Bikes. but. I did se- I, I did several things with what I sort of consider the Girls on Bikes uh, production palette, which is this particular kind of drum set that I, I sort of tailor-made and um, a, a particular selection of bass sounds I designed on the, on the Yamaha DX21. And to be honest, I, was, I, I felt like I was painting myself into a corner creatively. Like um, I've reached a point where it's like everything I was doing, it, this became my go-to set up in, in your palette in, in, almost yeah and i was just like mm, i need to i need to stretch my legs and i need to push myself more at the same time i'm, I'm listening you know i in a way listening to a lot less synth wave um and listening to a lot more city pop and listening to the listening to all the music from the late 70s and early 80s that was inspiring the original electronic music that went on to inspire synth wave so you know it's sort of going back and back and back further um and I just thought, no, I need to bring more of this into what I'm doing. Um, and it took a it took a longer time to make um, because the arrangements are much more complex. I, it's something I covered in my blog a bit because um, I, I have a blog on my website. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, you know, I took a screenshot of the Girls on Bikes range page in Logic, which is the software production package I use, and then I, I compared it to a screenshot of. Um, one I can't remember which, but one of the tracks off Ideality, and and I couldn't actually fit everything into one screenshot because it was so big. You know, tracks were songs were running into in excess of a hundred tracks with oh, all wow. layered like uh, orchestral parts and things like that. So you know, it took a longer time to produce. I was I took a lot more time over um, like developing chord progressions and writing melodies, and uh, again because that's another area where I'd fallen into a bit of a, a sort of trap of doing the same things roughly which like okay i'll do that for the intro i'll do a verse i'll do a chorus i'll do a little break there and then i'll put a flashy solo in there and i'll do a repeat to fade on that bit you know and it was like no i need to shake this up i need to change it and i need to take a much more a much more sort of musically diverse approach um so there wasn't it wasn't like there was one singular vision um sort of behind it it was just very much that i want to make a body of work that feels heavy and substantial as far as like which the, it does the, yeah which it feels like fifty thousand layers of the onion like to mm. like uh, and but the you know the funny thing that contrasts with that is um it almost also has like a gamer vibe to it like an 8-bit mm. vibe which is funny because that would be and it kind of going back to your the dx21 with the sound chip of the mega drive and stuff yep. and 
whilst it is complex and multi-layered, it also reminds me of the 8-bit music mm. from from early computer games. And it's mad, mad that it can do the two things. One of the reviews on the Bandcamp listing for the album says, and you've probably seen this yourself, if this were ever the soundtrack to an action platform or on a SNES, it'd yeah. be a huge hit on the music alone. Yeah. Like, I wondered if that computer game vibe thing was intentional. It's not, but I think it's so... Um... It's so deeply, deeply embedded in what I'm about as a person and a musician. Um, I, I was that weird nerdy kid. If you came around my house to play, I'd show you the cheat code on the game that gets you into like the debug menu. And then I'd show you how you could get to the menu system and you could just listen to the music on its own without having to yeah. play the game. And I'd be like, yeah, check this tune out. And my mate's like, mate, what? Can we play what, the game? Can, like? can we play the game? Yeah. yeah I was like, no, but FIFA, just, we've just got to listen to this theme soon first. And they're like, what's wrong with you? It's like 40 seconds and then it loops. And I was like, yeah, but what are 40 seconds? Um, you know, that's, yeah, I've just always, ever since I was a little child, been really captured by by um, by video game music. And growing up with Sega's, uh, with Master Systems, Mega Drives, and yeah, then also yeah, Super Nintendo in the house, uh, that was it. And I was Game Boy and Game Gear. And then I had a Game I Gear as well, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I loved it. If you think about it, um, the, the kinds of music we were just discussing yeah. is like, that would have been recent popular music in Japan for yeah. the guys who were and the girls who were composing and writing the music that was used in the the video games in the late 80s and early 90s so there's there's got to be some kind of subconscious link there yeah as there well. is but it's crazy you can see the paradox though right the the, le the levels the depth of mm. um how involved your production is mm. and then that parallel with the simplicity of 8-bit music and how yeah. it kind of fits that as well it's mad that you've managed to achieve the two at once oh, that's cool yeah no and I think again, it, it comes back to the writing. Let, less less about the production because you can have an orchestra perform a theme from Sonic the Hedgehog. Of course, it's still recognisably the Sonic the Hedgehog theme, even though yeah. there's 110 musicians playing it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I guess it's a lot of it comes down to the 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 chords and the harmonies and the melodies that and the way you piece them together with a sort of with the hope to be sort of catchy without being annoying. I guess. Would yeah. Be, would be, yeah. Well, I think you've definitely pulled that off. And given, all right, so you've just been through this huge immersive project. Mm. Um, it sounds like something that's taken, like, a, you've given a lot more thought than mm. perhaps a lot of people I've spoken to. And certainly myself, when I make music, I, I've tried my best to, to I, I don't think I've got the same level of musicality that you've got. Um, yeah. But but certainly it comes from a point of inspiration. But mm. for something as immersive as you've just been through, like, do you then take a big break before you start on your next project and let that ferment for a while before you start it? Like, have you got 2020 mapped out for yourself yet in your mind? Um. Well, sort of yes, I do have it mapped out. I mean, I I, I spent I spent a long time making Ideality, and actually, I, I probably made I think the first track from Ideality I made was my dad's Volvo, which I made very shortly after completing Girls on Bikes, um, and I've been sort of tinkering away on this album, all the whilst doing my two Ghostbusters themed EPs, Boys on Boards. Um, finishing off him and her I, like I ha it's just been on the back burner while yeah. I've been doing loads of stuff for, so all the while I've been churning stuff out with, under what I would say is the girls on bikes production palette all the yeah. while that was going on behind the scenes I was crafting in my spare time around those projects I was crafting 
things from uh, uh, ideality. And I mean, really, realistically, ideality was wrapped and sent off for mastering in, I think, late July. Um, you know, to, a little bit to come back from the mastering, and then and then obviously there's all the logistics of getting it prepped and ready, and deciding what to do with it, and the promo stuff and the pre-launch stuff. And then once once we've decided to do the thing, it's like, oh well, actually there isn't a window to release until this point. So, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. that you stuff to, takes ages. So it's hard, yeah, it's hard because so, we're trying to, we, you know, people often there's there been any number of artists who've got a project ready and is trying mm. to fit everyone in in, in yeah, a time so, so that there's enough of a window as well because something like this the effort that's gone into this project it mm. deserves the time and space mm. to breathe of its own and that's why you know we've just we've just yeah. dropped the vinyl but we did the tapes and stuff early so people had a chance to listen like i i know that it, it's had huge uh, hugely positive feedback and it's it's completely different to the stuff that we put out on the label generally but it does fit under the same umbrella for the mm. reasons we've kind of been discussing you know yeah. so you didn't totally quite sense. answer the question what yeah what, i didn't what, sorry, what are your major that, projects so, for i do have a i do have um i have got stuff in the works um okay. there's a few little things like little side projects uh so a few commissions that i will be releasing as like you know, this is something that was a permission, but I'm putting it out so you can hear it and download it. Um, uh, something for a podcast. Um, I'm working on a, uh, at the moment, I'm doing a little chip tuny thing, funnily enough, for, for nice. a game app. Um, I've got, I've got a few other, th- a few other sort of, uh, sort of, <sighs> Uh, vapor, like like you know, I said I I, I vapor waved myself. I've got I've got some more of that sort of planned in the works, um, slightly with a bit of a twist. So I won't say too much, but yeah, like I've got there's that, and then and then yeah, I mean I'm I'm hard at work on on new music kind of all the time really. It's just you know I get in from work, I do I do the chores, and then where, whereas other people sit down and watch TV, I tend to sit in front of the computer and fire up logic and turn my keyboards on so i tend I'm, to fire I'm up excel yeah excel spreadsheets <laughs> oh, happy days. constantly producing shipping labels for orders <laughs> and stuff <laughs> whilst watching the telly and then occasionally we get a chance to go to go back to making music um yeah i so wish i yeah there will still be plenty of stuff coming from the osc Wicked. brand across 2020 that's for sure i think that's um, what everyone wants to hear hopefully it will be more Align on the whole, it will be more aligned with idealities. It might not be quite as orchestrally lush, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit fickle. You can probably, if you look back through my, um, if you look back through my band camp going back to like 2013, the directional changes in style go all over the place. One thing I'm not very good at is like, <laughs> is like maintaining a really consistent like sonic brand. Like the visual branding's been pretty tight for a while, but you know mu- musically it dives all over the place. Because I think that's I, I think that's, that's I think that's, that's that's pretty intriguing though as an artist that you can come back and release a new body of work that. Mm that can take people by surprise you know completely new sounds new ideas like i think that's that's something in itself really is pretty um pretty awesome and without alienating the people who've grown with you throughout that journey as well well that's it i and that i sometimes don't fully get because i'll make something that i think doesn't sound anything like what i normally do i'll play to my mates and they'll go yeah this is definitely you i'm like oh okay great (laughs) there must be something there there must yeah. be some, some, yeah. some something that binds them all together. Maybe, maybe, maybe you just haven't um, spotted spotted the kind of kingpin. You know, yeah. running, running through them all. 
But you know what? If you listen to something a thousand times, you're so aware of the minute changes that you make mm. to something that if you played it to, to someone, you wanted to give it an objective sort of, you know, like, this is draft five. Can you yep. give me an objective view on how this relates to draft four? Like you're going to hear those differences. Like, and mm-hmm. even once you've finished a project, I know this from my own feelings as well. You sort of listen to it and there's going to be elements that you kind of, oh, I wish I'd changed this and I wish I'd changed that. Whereas most people are hearing it through a, a completely different ear to you. So mm-hmm. to me i i can hear the commonality throughout your music but i can also understand how someone who's sort of become as involved as you have in the projects yeah will will feel the real the real differences and that's something that i'm, I'm looking forward to going back and listening to like uh girls on bikes yeah. and then listening to idea ideality again and sort of seeing yeah. if i can pick up more now i've spoken to you about it you know yeah so let's um we, we've kind of come full circle here yeah um, we're going to play out uh, this segment with a track from Ideality. If you were playing this album to someone who'd never listened to you or this kind of music before, what what track would you pick? Do you think and why? I think I go for Quiet Desires. It's uh, it's quite grandiose. It's, it's got it's got some nice big high high points. So yeah, I'd go for that one. Quiet Desires, nice one. Okay, and um, before you go, anything you want to plug? You you mentioned your blog. What's the what are your deets for that? Oh yeah, just head on over to opussciencecollective.com. That's like that's like my HQ. You'll find everything there from links to merch and 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 my blog and a podcast I do with my mate and all, all sorts of things. Yeah, amazing. And of course, ideality is out now. Mypepflamingo.bandcamp.com. Uh, if the vinyl's still available, then grab it over there on the merch play page and of course the digital album as well it's been a real pleasure mate thanks for coming on to the podcast and uh, oh, thank you for having we'll me have to, we'll have to do it again next time you've got a project ready yeah man awesome Thank so this is osc with quiet desires
Cat with the track Sunday Morning, which is from the album Vapor Trap Selection. And we still got cassettes available for that format. Uh, we might be working with Duke Cat on other projects in the future, but that's a, a different direction for MPF. We haven't done any Vapor Trap yeah. stuff before, but it's an absolute banger of an album. Check that out on mypetflamingo.bandcamp.com. Now, we did want to, like, if you've hung on through the interview to listen to us mugs at the end, um, really interesting to speak to Steve. He's got yeah. a, a real fresh detailed way of um, approaching the genre which is yeah. different to to anyone I've worked with before he kind of he builds it up with so many layers it seems there's a lot of complex uh, composition there and there's clearly some musical skill mm. um, and that's not to say that people who don't who aren't musically trained aren't able to produce absolute bangers because everyone's got a slightly different way of working but I did like hearing that I'm not sure if it's an approach that I'm technically proficient enough to follow in the tunes I make but it's really interesting just to hear because you can hear the depth now and it, yeah well it's interesting the way you came from um, synthwave as well more synthwave sounding material into them into the slightly funkier more more vapor future funk sort of sort of stuff um, which you don't really 
see that much of um, artists delving into both. But you can definitely still hear the elements of synthwave coming through in his. Um... Yeah, I suppose like home would be a crossover between the two genres. It's pretty hard yeah. to classify them. Some people call it chillwave, don't they? Like the album Odyssey, but yeah. a lot of vaporwave collectors have that, you know, as as one of the sort of landmark releases in the history of the genre. So. There is some crossover there, but like you say, it, I find it tends to be the other way normally. But um, yeah, there's some bleed between vaporwave and synthwave yeah, for course, sure. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we've had we've had artists who've who've appeared on both. So Waterfront Dining's been on on Time Slave and and on My Pet Flamingo, and we did have a chat with him about how to place that album. And it, it's really good. It speaks for itself. I mean, have a listen to it. You've heard a couple of tracks in in and amongst the interview there. And maybe I think it gives people a hopefully a fresh perspective when they go back and listen to Ideality again. Um, another thing worth mentioning before we go is that we've been working with Turnt Boy. So Turnt Boy is, is the OG uh, from MPF perspective. It was the first release we ever did uh, forever. And we've been meaning to do this for absolute ages. It's a, such a short EP. Player The Player yeah. EP is such a short EP. Um, but we wanted to find a way to make it work on vinyl. So we've um, teamed up with, with uh, Turnboy and we are, there's a few bonus tracks from the era, all from the same style. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be a nice little 10 inch package and that is coming really soon. And it's got the Hiroshi Nagai art. It's an absolute, yeah, from an aesthetic point of view, it's absolutely beautiful. And his tunes are like R&B ex- yeah. explosions. He's got his own unique style as well in a way. I can't really put my finger on 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 what it is that makes it such a unique sound but he definitely has his own his I can own hear Turnboy track just out there like yeah, in the same way as you right. can hear the same Pepsi track I think that's quite impressive because Turnboy's uh, possibly not been around as long as some of like you know like Ryan and St. Pepsi that kind of thing but he already has to me anyway and maybe it's because I've listened to it a lot or maybe maybe it is just a genuine objective um, uh, compliment that I think he's got his own stereotypical sound that you can hear the second an intro comes into a yeah, track. He's, definitely, he's, yeah, definitely. It's cool. So we're going to be um, releasing the player EP on a 10-inch vinyl with a few bonus tracks, but what we wanted to do uh, is play you out with a couple of tracks from uh, the player EP. Like a 